Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. I'm back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Talking money and investing. Okay, so um, had uh, a conversation with uh, somebody this week, and we got into talking about you know some. They, there was a workshop that was uh, held, and a friend had brought them, invited them off to this workshop, and it was a financial thing. And uh, a couple of things that were taught at the workshop that I would take some exception to. So you know, they said, "Well, what do you think about this, Paul?" You know, the question was asked about. Fixed income investments, CDs, would you take advantage of that? Would you actually put more money in, in CDs and, and those types of uh, fixed investments right now since the interest rates are higher? And, and the person, oh, yeah, certainly, you know, would do that. And and number one, that, that it's a market timing move. So what you're doing is you're assuming whatever you're going to move to is going to do better than what you have moved from is the idea. So that's market timing in its purest form, you know, moving between one thing versus another. You're assuming that... Number one, banks that historically, of course, we go back, uh, you know, look all the way back to the 1920s, we have data on fixed income investments and the return historically has very, very low compared to other types of things because it's, you know, you have the risk-free rate with treasuries. The rate of return is basically zero after inflation, pretty much. Uh, and but you're assuming that those things are going to pay higher returns than other alternatives going forward. Now, can that happen? Yes, it can happen. When because markets can fluctuate and they do, and that's why historically stock markets have actually returned more. You know, like large stocks and small and large value and small value and all those asset categories have returned more historically because you're putting up with something, you're putting up with that fluctuation, the volatility. But to go and say, I think this is going to do better in the near future, would be to make that assumption that companies, oh, they, they don't have to pay me more to use my money going forward. You know, matter of fact, uh, I'm going to make the banks pay more to use my money going forward, which is just illogical. Why would uh, why would you think that a bank would have to pay more to use your money going forward than other borrowers or other users of your money that actually provide? There's more risk. Uh, you know, that that never works in life. You know, where something is, hey, more return and less risk. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, you better watch your wallet when somebody says something like that. Uh, so that's one thing. Now, another thing that was taught at the workshop that you know they were telling me about is a bucket approach, bucket approach to finances. And this is an approach I've seen taught so many different ways. And typically the way I see it taught is this, and this is, uh, you know, and, and they, they indeed said, yep, that's what they were teaching, which is you have this bucket. Okay, so you got this fixed income bucket. And that is your, like your, your bond, your cash uh, type investments. And that is the money that I might need in the near future. So you got to have the, you know, different buckets because you have different time horizons. Uh, you know, they, you're going to need this money in the next five years. So have a bunch of money in cash. And then what you can do is spend that down. And you spend that down and you have your your stocks over here. That's a long-term investment. Historically, stocks have higher returns over the long run. You know, they'll say that, which is true. But here's the problem. 
you go and spend this bucket down of cash and then at the end of five years, you've run that down to nothing. And this thing that was all stocks that was supposed to have the higher long-term return, all of a sudden the stock market drops and you're going, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, you weren't supposed to drop now because I need the money right now. Uh, you know, it, do it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to do it that way. But, you know, it sounds good. And I've seen this kind of thing, even in financial planning books, I've seen this type of thing where they teach that. And I go, no, 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 no. Uh, what, uh, what I recommend is, and this is based on a lot of academic research, is, and I'm going to keep this simple. I've got some money in fixed income. I've got some money in stocks. And then what I do is, you know, in any given year, I'm going to pull money from whatever happens to be doing better. Now, I'm going to subdivide the stocks into, you know, a lot of different asset categories like large and small and large value and small value and international large and international small and international large value, international small value, emerging markets, emerging markets value and emerging markets small. And, you know, in any given year, you're going to have one thing, you know, maybe emerging markets small does really, really well versus everything else. So I'm going to take the income from there because that's what has done well. And then that way, what happens is the risk characteristics of your portfolio do not change. This is really key because what I'm doing when I'm pulling money from one thing, it's all my cash portfolio and I'm depleting the cash and I'm leaving these stocks because stocks should have a higher long-term return. So I'm just leaving that alone over here. If I'm depleting the cash, what's happening is little by little, my portfolio mix is becoming less cash and less fixed income and more stocks. So by definition, because I'm getting more stocks and I'm owning more stocks as time goes on, what's happening to my risk? It's increasing. Now, does that make sense? Not on this planet, it doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, you know, that is, uh, it's, a, it's a way I've, I've seen things taught, but it's more of marketing is what I find. Because people say, well, you know, you have your fixed over here. You have your annuity bucket over here, I'll see people teach. And then you have your bond bucket over here. And then over here you have, you know, and, and I've seen people teach this. Uh, you know, and, and it sounds good from a tax perspective, you know, because... Your, you know, CDs and your fixed income investments, you're kicking off interest and you can't avoid the taxation on that. That ought to be in your qualified account, in your IRAs. I've seen this taught in financial planning class. And, you know, and, you know, you got to recognize that a lot of times the financial planning schools, they are getting their students from the big investment firms. And the investment, big investment firms kind of like them teaching things that are really good for business, if you get what I'm saying. So what'll happen is they will teach things and they'll be really light and done. But you know, I have to say some of the colleges have gotten better and more academic in some of their designations. I've been, I was super, super pleased with, you know, some of the, I, you know, and I've got eight different designations so I can speak <laughs> with a little authority on what these various uh, education programs teach. But some of them that, you know, have gotten really academic, and I like that. And you know, also I've, I've spent time studying directly under you know, University of Chicago professor. You know, they won the Nobel Prize for economics. So I, you know, I really I'm much more. Uh, you, you know, I've seen a lot of different different education programs. Let me just put it that way. So um, anyway, so what happens is they have these 
different types of approaches to teaching this thing. And then what happens is that the investor ends up doing some of these things and having to buy a product to, to cover that bucket and having another product that they buy to cover that bucket and so on and so forth. So, you know, that bucket approach or pulling income in for that particular manner and, you know, back to the other one, the taxation thing, you know, putting your IRA money in, in your bonds in IRAs, you know, for example, you know, you're, yeah, you avoid taxes. You don't have to pay taxes on the IRAs or Roth IRAs and the interest bearing investments are kicking out taxable income all the time. So it sounds good from a tax standpoint, but you're letting the tax tail wag the dog. Because technically, not in all cases, but in most cases, that's the last money you want to touch, your IRA, Roth IRA money, because it is the most tax advantaged. So the money you want to touch last is in the most conservative investment. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make logical sense, but I've seen that taught over and over again. And then take your, you know, your non-qualified money or your taxable money and have it all in stocks because you have capital gains treatment on that and blah, blah, blah. It's true. And, and it sounds really, really good, but it's just backwards for so many people. But you, you see this taught and you go, where's this coming from? It's coming from the marketing side of the investing industry. You know, so that's one, one of the issues. Now, a second thing, and, and, you know, this is in keeping with bonds and fixed income investments. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break and come back and teach on this more just because I think this is an important other topic that I'm getting some, you know, so I'm hearing people say things that just aren't quite right regarding bonds and fixed income investments and CDs and, and short-term bonds. And why do I have different maturity links in my bond portfolio? Why would I have some one-year bonds and two years and threes and fours and fives? And what is the yield to maturity conversation? So we'll talk about that in just a second. I'll be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get it initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. So when you look at the interest rate atmosphere, we are seeing higher interest rates on fixed income investments and bonds. And, and where that comes from is, of course, there's a very high correlation historically in more recent history, I might say in the last 50 years, ever since we completely got off the gold standard. Uh, so what happened 
it happens is this, is when you have high inflation rates, typically you have higher interest rates. That incentivizes people to put money in fixed income investments and not worry that prices are going up and they not worry as much. You know, so if I think that a car is going to go from 20,000 cost to 30 and my investments, my 20,000 is only going to grow by $1,000. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of a ridiculously high jump. Twenty to thirty. Let's say my my car price. I'm expecting to go from twenty thousand to twenty three thousand because inflation's high. Let's say, and and I've got a money in a CD or something like that, and I'm going to pull it out a year from now. So over one year, it's going to go from twenty to twenty three thousand. But my CD is only going to grow by a hundred bucks. It's going to grow to twenty thousand one hundred. Well, I'd be better off buying the car now. Maybe because it's twenty thousand right now, but it's going to be twenty three thousand a year from now. And you know, my money—I got the twenty thousand in the bank. You know, why put the money in the bank if it's only going to be growing by a hundred dollars? I'd be better off buying the car right now. You see, so in essence, when we have higher inflation, higher interest rates tend to be higher as well. Now, when we look at fixed income investments, and we look at like you know years like last year, twenty twenty two, where interest rates went up, bond prices can go down, right? So they're inversely related. Well, when bond prices go down, when I sell a bond and it costs $1,000 to buy the bond and it will mature for $1,000 five years down the road, let's say, and the interest payment payment's only 2%, it's only going to pay a low 2%, then what happens is I get $20 every year. So I pay 1000 I get $20 every year, and then when it matures, I get $1,000 back. Well, if interest rates go up, then what will happen, the bond price will drop, and the new buyer of my bond will pay maybe $900 for the bond, get the 2% interest payment, or $20 on the original principal, on the original $1,000. So they're gonna get $20 a year, plus the appreciation between $900 and a thousand when it matures. So they will get two sources of payment. Well, if you look at bonds right now and you look at uh, like, you know, different areas of the market, whether they be two year bonds and one year bonds, there are some of these things that not only the interest, you take the interest payment, the interest payments may be only 2%, 2.25% uh, for, for one. There's one bond that's a, it's a one-year fixed income bond that I use, and it's a little bit over 2% is the coupon on it. That's the interest payment, 2%. But the yield to maturity is almost 6%. And that's because the bond is selling at a discount. So what happens for the investor is they get the interest payments, but they also get the increase in value as you get closer to maturity. But here's the key, and this is what's really, really important and why I want different maturities of bonds in there. I want some short-term bonds. Yes, definitely some that are going to mature in less than one year, some that are going to mature in, in a week. I want some that might be three years, four years, and five years. The reason I would want the longer ones is because let's say that the economy gets worse. And there's something that goes down with the economy and things get bad. And right now we're sitting at higher interest rates. We're seeing that the Fed has been raising interest rates, raising interest rates. But if all of a sudden you have a shock to the system that the economy has worsened for one reason or another, 
Now the Fed with the higher interest rates, and part of the reason that they raise interest rates is to slow the economy down. But another thing, they've been talking about this for years. They have been talking about for years that it would be really nice if they could get off of ground zero on interest rates, if they could have a little bit of leeway and a little bit higher interest rates. And the reason being is that now they've got a tool at their disposal. And that tool is that if interest, if, if the economy gets soft and they need to give it a little bit of a push, then what they can do is they can lower interest rates. Now, when they lower interest rates, bonds that are longer maturity have higher durations. So you might find that, you know, some like that, that one uh, bond fund that I was talking about that had, um, is, is paying, you know, just about you know, a yield maturity of 5%. Well, it has a duration of 6.17. So what that means is if, if interest rates go down 1%, it jumps by 6%. If they go down by 2%, it jumps by 12%. So my CD that's on just paying the you know 4% or whatever, that's all it's gonna pay. It's not gonna jump in value like that. So that's why it's key to have all these different maturities. It gives the Fed a tool that will help them create some stability in the economy and, and less fluctuation. Part of their job, full employment, price stability. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.